Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest is Liz Willingham, founder and managing director of Liz Lean PR, a PR agency based in Sandbanks in Paul. Liz founded the agency 23 years ago, having been a graduate of the UK's first PR degree. She is a chartered PR professional and since 2016, has sat as a non-executive director and is actually past president of Dorset Chamber. She also sits on the board of the British Chamber of Commerce and Trade. Liz is well known in the industry for her phenomenal levels of energy and an uncanny ability to network and influence the media and key stakeholders. She also places a lot of emphasis on lifelong learning, both for herself and importantly for her team, and is very focused on bringing a high level of emotional intelligence to both her work and personal life, things that we discussed during the course of this podcast. I've known Liz for some time and have always admired her positivity and commitment to self-improvement and honing her leadership and communication skills. So amongst other things in this podcast, Liz talks about the crazy early days of running the agency as a new mum. I remember when Layla was literally babes in arms, I would sit with her rocking her car seat under the desk with the MD of the client I was working with, you know, just accepting all the noises and the rumbles. Discusses the nuances and importance of emotional intelligence and recommends a great book on that subject. For myself as a business leader, the, the amount of times I've, I've applied it, um, just in general relationship building, I think, and all of the other work that I've done in recent years with the Chambers, it, it comes into play in everything. And reveals her hopes and ambitions for the future of business Chambers of Trade. I feel that there is something new to do and a new perspective to create around this very established, very respected entity. If you want to learn more about Evolve and the services we offer and our exciting up-and-coming events, our co-working space, our peer groups, coaching and development programmes and all things Evolve, then please do take a look at EvolveMembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Liz, welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you. Uh, Tell our listeners, please, a little about how and when Liz Lean PR came about. Well, it's um, I'm probably not the, the role model when it comes to sort of startup business tactics and strategy. Uh, I never wrote a business plan. Okay. I never had any intention whatsoever of having one employee. Um, and the business wasn't even a thing. Okay. I was busy working away at Paul Pottery as their PR manager, going through lots of change on uh, at Dolphin Keys and the evolution of the, the Paul okay. Key at the time. And I decided that I was going to go out on my own as a freelancer. Right. And that was pretty much as far as it was going to go. So there was no grand plan None. to build an agency? None. It was just Liz on her own, no. self-employed. Absolutely. Let's give this a go. Yes. It's been a very organic thing. 
Um, and actually, it's it's evolved really nicely yeah. because it's come from a very organic place. Um, really, it, it's it, communication is always something I was really passionate about. Mm. I think I was in the right place at the right time, having just graduated from the first PR degree of its kind in the UK. Okay. Decided I was going to stay in Dorset and got myself a nice couple of roles that I was in for like two to three years each. Yeah. And then um, the opportunity started to come to me with the so seeds being sown. Do you, would you do some freelance work for me? Okay. And I thought, hmm, okay. And I just got married, wanted to have a family pretty quickly. And yeah. I thought, oh, it'll just drop in around that. And then when I have the family, it'll all disappear. But it got bigger and bigger and busier and busier. And then, yeah, I needed to have staff to help me to answer the phone, looking after little ones, yeah. trying to answer the phone whilst breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> Clients um, didn't know half of that at the time. No. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's literally how it came about. So never destined to run your own business. It wasn't a lifelong ambition never. for you, Liz. No. No, wow. I wanted to, as a teenager, I wanted to go into acting or, um, you know, in terms of presenting, broadcasting. I doubled in hospital radio when okay. I was in sick form. So that was the world I was planning to go in, but um, decided that maybe a professional vocational degree might just be a little bit more sensible for me. So you talked about that kind of those early days and, you know, mixing kind of the family, mm. children, growing the business needing to take on some staff but at some point in the journey was there a moment of truth when you thought god this has momentum mm. got to take this seriously now yeah. and yeah. things change I, I think actually that was probably three weeks after having my daughter Layla okay. um I'd told my clients I had quite a few nice retainers by that stage when I was heavily pregnant and I'd not really got my head around what what it looked like beyond yeah. having the baby I couldn't imagine not working I also couldn't imagine what work would be like and I'd never had a child before I didn't really know you don't get a guidebook of no. it's going to be busy yeah. and everyone said you're going to be busy I was like oh I can't have been as busy as my day before I, I can had manage this. I can do it so I literally just rolled with it and I remember one of my clients phoning me couple of weeks in to having Layla and saying congratulations all of that the directors send their best wishes but when you're getting back are you back what are you doing what are your plans because we want you back and I said give me 24 hours just to get my head around it I'll come back to you and they were like great and I thought this momentum is just I just would not want to lose this momentum so let's get on with it okay so that's where the craziness of probably 15 years of, or more <laughs> I think that's just when the craziness really began yeah yeah and hasn't stopped no it's different now having older kids having yeah. been through those school years um, with my youngest just about to finish sick form next year the school runs the school plays yeah. the, the the sports days you know fitting in the Christmas concerts that's when the juggle is really intense but I was always determined to be a full-time mum as much as a full-time business person right. that was something I was very passionate about and I had family help which was really key especially in the early days yeah. but I, I never wanted to go down the nanny or the au pair route that felt very wrong for yeah. me it wasn't the way I was brought up so yeah I've juggled all the balls how sick do you think it affected the kids I always said, you know, Warren, if I felt one day that I could see an effect on the kids, yeah. it would be game over. That that would ne they would never be sacrificed yeah. for the state of the business. And 
you know, they got dragged out to every photo call. They were rent a kid for every event that we <laughs> needed for clients. Um, I remember when Layla was literally babes in arms. I would sit with her rocking her car seat under the desk with the MD of the client I was working with, you know, just accepting all the noises and the rumbles. And people are really accepting if, yeah. if they know that you're juggling and you're going to give the best of yourself and they really accommodate. So I was really, really blessed in the early days that I had great clients who were really open to helping me um but yeah I, I i've seen the kids grow up with such a wonderful work ethic such an amazing um ability to be agile to appreciate people you know they've yeah. been thrown into a lot of different social environments learn how to behave in a social environment with events and that sort of mm. thing and and how to interact and look at senior people in the eye and not be phased by them i think it's actually stood them in really good stead a really positive effect yeah. and we'll come on to it i'm sure yeah, in the yeah really positive. positive but layla's actually in the business now isn't they're, she? They're very much so i i feel i feel like i've won the lottery i felt like i won the lottery when i had a boy and a girl it's yeah. like having one of each is just yeah. amazing but now as they've got older and to have one who's so passionate about the business as much as i am the trust that you have for your own flesh and blood yeah. to want to do the best thing for the business and take the level of ownership like she has is I just feel so incredibly lucky. Wow. So incredibly lucky. Well, we'll definitely come back to that during yeah. the course of this conversation. But is there any moments during the course of the you know time you've been running the business where you've sort of looked in the mirror and thought, can't do this. I mean, what's the biggest challenge? Oh my gosh, do you think? I think we've all been there ups and the humps and the ups and downs, and yeah. you know, the odd time with the bad debt where clients have you know, we, we've had the odd client moment yeah. where we've done everything in good faith and goodwill, bought an awful, awful lot of marketing um, on their behalf, and then they failed to pay, and that cuts wow. like a knife. No, it wasn't just our time, for, that yeah. was radio campaigns, outdoor poster sites, um, all sorts of bought in supplied mm. work that had our name on the contract. And that was a naive thing for me. I'm a very trusting and honest person. I like to think others are open and trusting. I'd learned a big lesson at that stage. And do you think that changed your approach to business? Definitely. Um, we, we, you know, Looking back, I think how naive that we're a relationship building mm. business you know as, as comms professionals we are in the game of building relationships and we'd like to think we work with like-minded people who have the same values as ourselves and we never had client contracts for years mm. we, pr we used to pride ourselves on saying look we'll have a four-week notice period but if it's not working out we're not going to tie you up to months we're not going to tie you up to loads of paperwork mm. and clients used to really like that but the world has evolved massively our landscape has evolved massively yeah. and yes those sorts of experiences and you grow up don't you we're yeah, 23 definitely. years in um, at the time we were based very much on goodwill and we had very loyal clients that worked with us on a retained basis and we never had any problems. But you're going to get that one moment yeah. where you go, right, I think we need to tighten up. And it was actually the recession, the 2008 recession, okay. where I thought, no, this is where our contracts are not robust enough. No. And you get the odd employee contract where you think, yeah, that's a bit too loose as well. So you just tighten up the reins as you go. Yeah. But sometimes you have to learn the hard way, don't you? You do live and learn. And sometimes, as you say, oh, that can be the hard way. Painful. And you, you, you talk about it there. You talk about 23 years plus running your own business. I mean, what's the, 
happened in the world of PR? How's the world of PR <laughs> and comms changed in that oh, time? Just beyond all recognition. Uh, it's been a relatively gradual creep, although you say that. You know, 23 years ago, I was stuffing envelopes with um, hard photographs with labels on the back of them with captions on them that I'd run in and out of the, 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 the lab to pick up a yeah. batch of, of photos and then shove them into hardback envelopes with labelling up all of the media you know, relationships we had and it would all be down the post office. Yes. <laughs> um, and so it would take a week probably to get a press release pulled together, sent over to the client by fax, for their approval, they'd eventually get it back. It was all, it felt busy and paced at the time, but my yeah. goodness, it was really quite leisurely, really, <laughs> and quite sense. onerous. And, and now we are rattling out communications, whether it's through social, whether it's through, you know, um, uh, th through email or e all the types of channels that we now have that we didn't have then. No. So bearing in mind that mobile phones didn't exist. I mean, you almost forget a world before <laughs> all of this stuff was there. Yeah. Um, and we, I remember getting funding to get a rabbit aerial on the outside of our Sandbanks offices so that we could start to dabble on email. Just phenomenal changes. And yeah. people laugh at me. You know, it's <laughs> sort of like, that can't have been a real thing. You used to print off every press release and stick it in the post. Yep. Yeah. The world has changed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But good and bad, I suppose, because I suppose bad news stories that you know that companies get involved in and that kind of crisis management probably comes to the fore more doesn't it very now much that so you, everything can be on a turn social you know? media has changed the game for crisis yeah we are now citizen journalists we can all have a view and broadcast yeah. it it's just become an unwieldy process but there are processes in place and ultimately we advise clients on tone and approach and doing the right thing mm. and as long as clients are prepared to do that then we can work with it and yeah. we can manage it bring it right back down people you know people just want to be heard if you give them the opportunity but manage what they're saying is accurate and respond yeah. to it appropriately you can calm it down definitely it's interesting and i suppose this is a you know this is a podcast of business owners leaders mm -hmm. um and you know what advantages do you think is bought by a business and an organization having a pr agency mm. rather than perhaps perhaps there's more of a tendency to do it now is manage own pr and mm -hmm. comms in-house what are the benefits that an agency brings i think i think there is merit in both there is nothing like having ownership of of your pr and, and we have clients that have in-house teams as well as ourselves mm. and we work very collaboratively with them and it's often about how important the business feels comms are to yeah. them. And obviously, we would want to work with clients who put comms at the heart of everything. Yeah. The perspective that we come from is reputation management first. Okay. So by managing reputation, which I believe is the biggest asset that any business has, it takes a phenomenally long time to earn it. Mm -hmm. You can dash it in a second if you yeah. get it wrong. If you haven't got the resources or the skill to really maintain that reputation and keep it clean and tidy and evolving yeah. and communicated, then you could be on a, having some weak spots. Okay. So I think there is merit. I think it's just as long as business leaders put comms at the heart of everything they do. Mm. And there are some that really do and they reap the rewards and others that just find it really difficult to understand why they yeah. should. 
It's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because not, you know, it's a myth, isn't it, that all business owners are egotistical or look at me. A lot of business owners, leaders do a great job, but they don't want to be no no and actually that's we've we've got clients who are very humble who have been you know in family businesses particularly Mm -hmm. that's where we feel we have a a strong affinity because we really understand the dna of a family business owner especially if they've been um multi-generation because they feel very much they're the current guardian they're the baton holder. This is about make, keeping it in ship shape, ready yeah, for the next, next generation. Yeah, yeah. And so they're by nature all very humble, very um, don't like too much profile about themselves. And it's, it's really important for us that we adopt their tone of voice that is really authentic mm-hmm. and very comfortable to them. And I think for those that haven't dabbled in PR before, there is that anxiety that we can be very showy, very brash. Look at me. Look Look at at me. me. And it actually, that isn't the best approach to to PR. It's about being authentic, being real and being true to yourself and your brand. And we come in and we really immerse ourselves in those businesses to get under the skin of why they think the way they do, how they operate. And we adopt how they would communicate about themselves if they had to be on the front face what would they say and how would they say it and we quickly adopt that and then you see them relax and go ah this this is much better than i thought it was going to be i was a bit anxious but i'm a total convert and then you often find they totally get it and then they're all over it and they cannot get enough of it because they've got that trusted tone of voice exactly they feel that they're being represented the right way yeah it's a good tip, good hint. And what about those businesses and organisations that think, well, we just haven't got any stories? There's always a story. There's always a story. But newsworthiness is really key. Mm. And we build really good partnerships with the media and we don't expect them to write something which they will look at and go, why aren't you speaking to our ad guys in the next room? Yeah. It's got to be true to news. Um, be interesting to readers. And you'd be amazed what but yeah. people find interesting to read and you'd be amazed what a journalist would be prepared to write yeah. but don't disrespect them and throw a load of, of information at them that just because you think it's exciting to have a new website yeah. why is a new website to the wider world about your organisation really that fascinating unless it's doing something really unique it's doing yeah. something for the first time or you know it's just finding those it's stories. digging down yeah. it's digging, digging down, down. definitely, definitely. Yeah. and the world of press has changed, doesn't it? I mean, you know, mm. there was a time, mm. even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. where local press, national press had mm. depth in numbers and yes. that scale because of the economies yep. and that industry yep. and the challenges it yep. faces. So how's that affected your business? Um, it was interesting when social media was being uncovered as a new channel and people were experimenting with it. And we, we were early adopters of it. Um, and thank God we were. But at the time, it was interesting because people thought, like, you know, we could hear people at events talking yeah. about the fact we're, oh, it's those lot, they're playing with Facebook. What a waste of time. It, will be, it won't be here in five minutes. And they, they were judging ha- yeah. how we were adopting it early. Um, I, I like to try and lead from the front. Um, I try to make sure that we're not behind the curve on things. And so that's always been a real priority to me. So I got to the point where I thought, I don't care if this is not around Mm. for another five years. We have to understand what the impact of this is. And obviously, as we all know now, it's become 
one of the biggest opportunities mm. for the comms industry that we've ever had. And yes, it's been threatening to traditional media and digital comms has really affected mm. the traditional media. And we've seen a lot of fallout from that. And the big tech companies, the Facebooks, the Googles have got uh, a responsibility for seeing the change of our media mm. landscape, especially regionally. Yeah. However, thankfully, the strong ones have all been able to adapt with an online version, which actually gives us even more opportunity. Yeah. Um, and you're now seeing the likes of, of Facebook and Google investing back into the regional media and our own local press have paid for reporters brought through by the big tech companies. Really? Yes. Wow. So they kind of had to in the end. It was the right and proper thing for them to do. You can have a debate over was it too little too late. A lot of regional journalists have vanished, gone into PR. A lot of regional papers have gone to the wall. Yeah. Um, And ultimately, society needs freedom of speech. Yeah. Our leaders need to be made accountable. And there's no one best to make them accountable than the media. Yeah. And our journalists... Um, are taught to make our leadership accountable. In a professional manner. Sometimes in a professional <laughs> manner. But okay. interestingly, I, I mean, I did some judging for the Society of Editors recently for their regional press awards and their columnist of the year. And that was a really fascinating process because it reassured me that journalists are still determined to give the voice of the people mm. into publishing all over our our nation and they're doing it really very very well so across our aisles we we are still standing firm with good journalism which is just fantastic fantastic so turning to your business in a little bit more and how you run it you quote on your website and you talk about how your team's emotional intelligence is a hallmark of the work you do i mean how do you define i suppose emotional intelligence and how do you gauge someone's emotional intelligence perhaps I, during that recruitment phase? I, I think this is a really interesting subject and a lot of it is intuitive. And I think if you're a naturally emotionally intelligent person, you can spot it in five minutes mm. of a conversation with someone else, whether they have it or not. Yeah. So it's not something that we build in strategically into our recruitment process. It's a subliminal. We're constantly looking for someone who understands the nuances, who reads between the lines, mm. who's got great people skills, who has empathy. And I think all of these things are traits of the emotional intelligent person. And I'm not sure that you can make an, in- an emotionally yeah. intelligent person. I think it's got to be within the DNA and you can hone those skills. And I brought my favorite book on the subject with me today, yeah. which is um, Daniel Goleman's uh, Working with Emotional Intelligence, which is the follow up to his original one about emotional intelligence. And he had such an overwhelming response to this book when he wrote it about how it fits in the workplace that he wrote this. And my sister gave this to me um, back in August 2005. Wow which, you know, is really interesting. And it's got lots of little sort of um, it's a well cornered... It, it, but it, but it, ultimately, it, this is all about trying to help those in the workplace become more emotionally intelligent. But I get from it a great reassurance because I think as, as a comms professional, everything we do, we have to look at a scenario and make a judgment call to mm. advise, advise clients with good counsel the tone of voice, the approach, and what is someone actually really saying here? 
What's the unsaid? And you need to apply that emotional intelligence to be able to really cut through, um, be persuasive in your communication. Um, And so the team, um, I think, automatically have those skills when they join us. They're able to listen to their clients because often clients don't really know what they want. They know what they don't want. They don't often know what they want. So uh, understanding the nuances of the the client relationship, being able to build strong bonds with the clients and that trust, they have to have some emotional intelligence to be able to do that. Um, So I think it's something that comes, it should come organically with our profession really. And you'd say it's probably one of the biggest skills you need or attributes you need to be in PR? Yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, from myself as a business leader, the, the amount of times I've I've applied it um, just in general relationship building, I think, and all of the other work that I've done in recent years with the Chambers, it it comes into play in everything, everything you do. And I think it's something that um, we welcome to have. You can connect with a client and you know straight away that they've got that emotional intelligence and it's just a breath of fresh air when you can just talk on a wavelength where you know exactly what you're trying to achieve in your communications. And I think by reputation, we go back to that reputation thing again, being authentic is is really, really important in how you communicate Mm -hmm. as a brand. So understanding where the emotional attachment is with your brand and with your audiences is really key. Okay, I I get that, I can understand that, I can see how that all Pits in and thank you for the book recommendation as well. Yes, I mean, it's getting a bit old now, isn't it, really? (laughs) But it's it's interesting. Whenever you dip in and out of it, it gets more and more and more relevant all the time. I think good business books or good Mm. self-development books stand the test of time, don't they? Yeah, definitely. So a good communication strategy, we've talked about that quite a lot already in this kind of conversation, needs to cut through the clutter, and that sometimes is seen as that holy grail for any company. If you could name just maybe three to five simple but crucial steps to ensure you do stand out from the crowd, what would they be? In all honesty, I think it would be bespoke to your brand and what you're trying to achieve. And I, I feel very strongly that communications and PR strategy should be discussed at board level it should be from the highest level and it should sit in parallel with your business objectives and your comms person should be allowed into those conversations to be able to guide and steer because often what a management team think is a good idea Mm. could have reputational risks or implications which often can be got over but it's much easier to create something with that starting point of what are we trying to achieve and where are all the trip hazards to to achieve it um, I think making sure your brand personality is is really, really understood, your brand values. Get that brand work done up front. Okay, so understand. even before you engage in any form of comms or oh, PR, for sure. develop that brand. Understand what it is you stand for, what are people going to hook on to, what makes you different. Um, I think also about, you know, who who is your spokespeople? So often people start going out and communicating Mm. and then they don't actually haven't thought about who is the leadership, the humans, the whites behind the eyes. And often the leader doesn't want to be that front facing spokesperson, but it's kind of a bit late once once your media is asking you, well, can you do an interview for me on this subject? Oh, actually, who do we do? Who do we use? That needs to be thought about up front. But I think um, as long as you've got 
the right integrity around your communications and you have a strong product and polishing a turd is a real term yeah. it's a real thing um and there is it's very very difficult to promote positively a product or a service that just hasn't really got the depth of yeah. quality in it so actually whilst you're asking for crucial steps to make sure you stand out from the crowd i'd almost go back a stage and go tick the boxes of the basics yeah. to make sure you know that your brand values are absolutely robust and that you can't be pulled up on them that your spokespeople are true um going to represent you well yeah just because they're the md doesn't mean that they're the right spokespeople um and don't fudge it get yeah. your product really really honed and things will always advance and um improve over time but don't go out too early and i know you know the startups is yeah. a classic example of that you know make sure your product is really 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 you understand robust. it and you know it and, and you, you know it it's going it to deliver. deliver yeah that's great advice build mm. those foundation blocks mm. and build it from there i suppose when we talk about spokespeople you know we've got the olympics on at the moment and you can just see how media trained mm. a number of the particularly the elite high profile athletes are perhaps um, compared to some of the comms that you get from the you know, non the up and coming athletes, and you get some really honest and great interviews with them. Where do you sit on business leaders being media trained? We do a lot of media training with clients, and we advise it quite a lot. I think um, getting the right spokesperson, as we just mm. said, is really key because they do need to be a human and relatable. Mm. not a you can media train someone to, and over engineer them so they become so robotic and, and you, you take don't all personality exactly out, don't you? Yeah. but equally you do not want a leader that in the time of crisis looks like a rabbit in headlights mm. and looks like the organization really doesn't know what it's doing because yeah. that is so so damaging and i'm sure we've all been aware all of crisis where yeah. they just weren't ready for it and i think you know we we talk to clients about crisis planning when it's at a time when they don't need to worry about it and often you'll find that they feel oh we'll be all right in a crisis we, we would be okay mm. no <laughs> everything goes to the wall yeah. and you need your roadmap to be able to get you out of it and having that rehearsed and understood in advance just helps save so many trip hazards it really yeah, does upskilling enough to be able to yeah. manage the communications yeah. when needed but not and, and take my, the personality out no but and my view is if you're prepared and you've got your crisis document in the cupboard ready to draw on as and when sod's law will kick in and the likelihood is you will never need it yeah well it's a nice place to be in. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also talked actually during the course of the conversation so far about i think you know your own strong values principles you know the kind of clients that you like to work with what have you ever turned clients down what would make you turn a client down we don't like to turn clients down yeah um everyone has a great story um we're not sector specific so we cut across you know all sizes of organization and all sectors um when it comes to really having to be forceful about turning them down it's about reputational risk yeah. and whilst it could be contradictory because obviously we are here to create and maintain good reputations for clients. Yeah. We also have our own reputation, which is really important to us. And anything that's going to align 
wrongly just we mustn't go there we're also all members of the chartered institute of public relations our governing body and through that charter we are bound by their guidance to run an ethical service Mm. and so anything that compromises ethics we have to be super careful and if a client wanted us to go down a route or they had values that we didn't really feel aligned with uh, we would we would decline the opportunity right. but thankfully we haven't had to do that we've had the odd time when we've had a conflict of interest where we've yeah. had a major client in a sector that were very specific that they had us to themselves on an exclusive basis and that arrangement was made and that meant that everyone else in that sector yeah. we weren't able to to work with unfortunately but you know it, it, thankfully it doesn't happen too often okay and we talked about Layla, your daughter being in the business. I mean, what dynamic has that really added to your business? It's been huge, actually. And the pandemic really heightened that because okay. we had the opportunity to be working together physically closely under the same roof when obviously everyone else was mm-hmm. working remotely. We were able to really bounce off each other, make some big decisions together. And I think she probably did her business degree in a year in equivalent (laughs) because she suddenly saw the potential impact of what was going to change in our world and you know in march when the first lockdown Mm. started to hit we we had no idea and none of us really knew what the full impact was going to be and we all went into quiet panic mode but obviously you draw in all of those experiences and thankfully you know whilst 23 years has gone by in a flash and i you know, i still remember Layla being pushed around the, the peninsula outside the office most of the afternoon so that i could get a load of press releases done which made that she meant that she never slept all night <laughs> <laughs> which in hindsight was foolish but um now we're here she's at 21 but has got a great business mind and and always has done actually even when she was quite young she would be challenging me on on because we've always had open conversations around the dinner table so i could draw on my past experience of previous recessions and crisis times in in the economy and she had the rawness of instinct intuition that emotional intelligence knowing where our brand values sat and she was integral to helping frame our plans you know do we furlough do we not furlough if we are going to furlough who do we what's the message we give to the team how do we approach it do we make it a collaborative thing all of these things are going around in your mind is what is a very us approach to this and she helped and really was determined to make sure that everything we did was very us and true to our our way of working and she nailed it every time and the response from the team was bang on every time so she's a natural i'm so lucky that she's been born with the natural skills she she writes beautifully um she she presents beautifully she's very confident she's very financial savvy she knows her numbers um so she's now being more and more brought into the weeds of every aspect of the business um and we have a, a really exciting sort of game plan um, I don't think I'll ever want to sort of step back fully from the business, I, but certainly there will come a time and a place. And I think probably around four or five years time, she will take the helm. Wow. So it com- must have completely changed your outlook on Massively. the future. The, Massively. The she, there is no decision made now without her input. Right. Often she tweaks it for the better. Yeah. 
Um, and thankfully, we've got other members of the team in a leadership role that give the balance. Yeah. So it's triage. So, <laughs> um, so it's not just my way or Layla's way. Yeah. There is a, 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 a debate. In, yeah, yeah, very much so. But no, it, it, she's um, she's a real talent, and I cannot thank my lucky stars enough. So where do you stand with nature and nurture there? <sighs> she's soaked it in like a sponge. You know, I've got friends who say to me now, do you remember all those conversations of the evening when she'd just sit and listen to everything and you'd be like over a glass of wine going, do you, do you, I don't want you to hear that. She was just all ears all the time. Right. And in, in you know, events and, and being out with clients, she was just absorbing everything. But she has been born with natural skills yeah. um, that I don't think I could have taught her. I think they're just there. It's a great combination of both. But massively. Yeah. Massively. It's quite fascinating, really. Yeah. It's great to see, you know, listeners, you know, there's a look of pride on your face. Oh, just, in, in yeah. Having her in the business yeah. and yeah. succession potential to her. Amazing. And all that kind of stuff. I trust her wholeheartedly to do the right thing. Um, I also know that she, when she's ready, will be braver than perhaps I was okay. at times more risk-taking she's new in your early days well because because we were we it's a very different scenario she's taking on some a platform that already exists i didn't know what what it was i just rolled with it she's picking up something and then deciding where to go with it and she's got big ambitions okay watch this space very much yeah brilliant and you've launched a podcast together haven't you yes yeah that's been a real joy actually and in a, in a year or so that we haven't been able to get out and network. And yeah. that's been a really key part of the business growth for me as being out, being present, getting to know people, building those relationships, building that trust and just being in the right place at the right time to try and pick up new business. We haven't had that opportunity. No. So the podcast actually has been a great way for us to keep connecting with new business leaders um, especially in the family business space, because the stories are phenomenal. Mm. And it's been really moving at times, um, some of the dynamics that we've come across. But yeah, really enjoying that process. And it's called Keep It In The Family, isn't it? It runs in the family. It runs in the family, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So no, we've, we've dealt with probably all so many sectors so far. It's um, unbelievable. But yeah, plenty more to come there. And it, we've also talked about COVID and, and start to talk about the effect. But during that process, you've introduced, as I understand it, the Lizleen PR123 model yeah. for remote working. Tell us yes. about that and what have you seen and experienced since it was implemented, Liz? It was one, again, Layla driven. Um, she believed very much that we needed to get out early with our putting our stall out on yeah. this. And we actually started implementing this last August. So I think in our industry, we were probably one of the first to introduce this. And others were looking at four-day weeks and that sort mm. of thing. But we're at always-on business. Yeah. Uh, our clients need our attention 24-7. So we, we weren't in, in any mind for doing that. However... The one, two, three model, bearing in mind that we've got team that are based all over the place. They're not just all based here near our offices. Um, We have uh, Tuesday and Wednesday where we ask 
everyone to be in the office where they can to be together because especially for for young members of the team um, or junior members of the team that interaction that learning watching the body language overhearing a conversation is so important to their learning um, but we also appreciate that there, there is a now a new joy in the flexibility of being able to work from home. So Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, they can work from home or they can work from a client's offices, which we would encourage, um, or any other environment where it's safe, secure, um, and that they can get on and be productive and feel creative. So there's a lot more flexibility now in their working day if they feel that they're not, you know, we've got staff who are having post vaccine problems mm. and you know they just take the time down and they'll make it up when they feel they've got the energy back and and that's great so it's just giving them the empowerment to own their work enjoy their work at their best time yeah, yeah. particularly i suppose being a creative business that's yes. really important you, and you can't it? force that no if you're not a morning person and, and you're being made to brainstorm ideas at, at 8 30 9 o'clock in the morning well that's just not going to be productive yeah. So Brilliant. now this formula gives us that flexibility and it's going down really, really well. Fantastic. And I think, you know, we've been early out to say Mondays, Wednesdays, everybody in. Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays, complete kind of flexibility. Or, and, you know, it'd be nice to see you in the office one of those yeah, three days. Yeah, and the office is open every day yeah. if they want it to be. Yeah, you know, definitely. if there's always a communication of actually I might go in the office today. Yeah. Is anyone else coming in? Oh, yeah, well, if you're going in, they'll come in. And so there's always that little bit. But I do think it's necessarily for our trainees and the young Very much so. Developing to be around people Huge. and they just subsume information. Yeah. But I think it's really important. You know, we're human beings, aren't we? And for me, mm-hmm. I, you can see the spirit in our team lift as soon as we're able to do that Mondays, Wednesdays. Yes. Yeah. Because they want to connect. Yes. They want to be around people. Yes, exactly. And the learnings that they get from each other. Um, so that, you know, we want people to advance. We want yeah. to bring people through. We've got great career progression plans for them. But we don't want that to slow down because they're just not exposed to their peers. Yeah. Um, perhaps as much as they were before so it's a it's a balance I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic that across a wide range of industries oh, isn't it is huge you know, trainees and yeah. apprentices and yeah. those that were in on that development curve I, I, I think I'll ever catch up or how long will it take them to catch I, up I just don't know how it's going to roll and and we've now got people who are just refusing to go back to an office who just really want to be home-based mm. and everyone has that right to put that forward but whether that works in reality and you've got companies like Google now renegotiating salaries mm. downwards for those who want to work from home 100% and where does the London weighted salary fit in anymore yeah. and for us in the regions does that cause us a problem when yeah. we're recruiting because your next door neighbour could have a London weighted yeah. salary but they're working in the in the room next yeah. door so they're now could be part of your kind of pool of people to attract yes. into your business yes but they're expected and used to that higher weighting aren't they it, it, it's going to mess up everything that we've all always known mm. so who knows where it's going to go <laughs> who knows watch this space <laughs> yeah um talking about you know you're you've also been throughout your time that i've known of you in the business community you've always given a lot back and more recent years you've been uh, president of the mm-hmm. Dorset Chamber of Commerce. You've been involved with the British Chamber of Commerce on their board. Yeah, yeah. I believe you still are. Yeah. Why is it so important to you to give back and get involved in those kind of organisations? Well, I think it's two way. I mean, yes, giving back is 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 really important. And I I grew up with a father who was heavily involved in our town chamber down in Cornwall, and I know how passionate he was about it. And 
it served me very well here in Dorset to be part of Dorset Chamber as a member for the whole time that the business has mm. operated. And I've really enjoyed being part of that network. And I think being part of a very loyal business community, I see them as friends. You know, they we all look out for each other and the business has been served well from that. So I felt that it was time that I could contribute something. And I also feel that you get to a stage in your career and in your business life that you, there is so much to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's like going on a course. It's a very different perspective that you're thrown into this environment with other individuals who might be like-minded, but from different sectors, have different perspectives, have different backgrounds. And so to throw yourself into the mix with that, I think is very, very healthy. And I've learned a lot from that and I've enjoyed it immensely. So it's about then it's fueling that and making sure that yeah. maintains them the next generation. Yeah, and, and I did feel that Chambers are, are, are misunderstood entity yeah. it's misperceived it's seen as old fusty i think the, the word chambers doesn't help because people yeah. have this vision of legal chambers in yeah. with like hooded cloaks and whatever um and that that is a perception problem that we have as part of um you know the, the business network that we traditionally have in this country but i i feel that there is something new to do and a new perspective to create around this very established, very respected entity. Mm. And I'd like to think that I'm slowly nudging it on a local level and a national level into a new a new era. Yeah. And there is an appetite. There's definitely a place for chambers, isn't it? I mean, I'm very passionate. My favourite mm. saying is yeah. like-minded people together and great things happen. And of at course. best and at heart, yes. that's what a chamber is. And, and especially at times like this, people want to be around a trusted existing established safe mm -hmm. uh, environment and that's what chambers creates you know but um i've i've enjoyed it immensely i feel like i've i've contributed i've made a difference um a new way of thinking i think has been encouraged um and it's just about finding your inner confidence to speak your mind in that forum and say what about this and being prepared to be bold wow how do you find your inner confidence? How do I find my inner confidence? Because I think a lot of business leaders struggle with that. Don't do they? you? I do. I, I think you've got. I go back. The to, imposter got... syndrome is yeah. huge, and I remember going for my interview with the panel for the British Chambers yeah. Board place. Went up to London, and I took it very much. You know, we as business leaders, you don't get the opportunity to get interviewed very often. So yeah. that in itself is a good experience, isn't it? It's good to push you out, push you out your comfort zone every now and again. But I came out of that, and I was like, "That's not gone my way at all." You know, right. that I, I, I they really did play good cop, bad cop, and I I felt that yeah, I probably didn't perform as I should have done. So the shock when I got the call <laughs> to say, "Excellent candidate, we very much want you in," I was really god the bar must have been really low and they were <laughs> like no that, not at all but that's that imposter piece isn't it oh horrendous carry. horrendous yeah. and i don't know that you ever really grow out of that um and i think the older maybe you get and the more self-aware you get mm. it's it you have to get the inner voice you know put Focused. put in the back of the room um but yeah see the imposter syndrome is is you know really crippling yeah. thing if you let it get to you definitely well, that moves us neatly onto another subject that I wanted to cover. But, you know, when we talk about that inner voice is about mental health awareness. Mm. Again, something both as a business leader and mm. both of your time with the chambers, 
you've been really vocal mm. about is that yeah. you know mental health of business owners entrepreneurs yeah. and leaders yeah. is not something that's discussed enough no and it's it's been something i've been very passionate about since i've been really involved at board level with dorset mm. chamber and then when i was asked to become president it, i just felt that it was height it was become more and more of a heightened subject this is way before the pandemic yeah. and so in my first year of being president i really championed the the issue around mental health awareness in the workplace yeah. workplace stress and was keen to sort of for a chamber to look at doing things differently networking differently yeah putting people into their comfort zones of whether it be yoga or running or networking in a different way, even if it's just a hike across the Jurassic Coast. Um, And I think that people were generally doing that anyway. And I thought that as a chamber to embrace new members um, and maybe a different level of membership, that was the way to go. But as the presidency evolved, I was then asked to, to do a second term. And it literally would have been two to three months before the pandemic really hit us and I did my speech um, and I I was very passionate that this needs honing down now to the business leader resilience piece that what is going to keep the mental health of our business leaders in check so that the rest of our economy just the cogs keep working if you've got a leader of organization who's a bit broken Mm. where does it really trickle down all the way through the especially with a smaller business so I put it out there and then obviously the pandemic struck and it was right place right time and we developed an initiative called got your six which thankfully Warren you you jumped and helped and came on board as one of the champions of that and it's been the response to that has been phenomenal and it has been really apparent to me that there is no panic button or Samaritans specifically for the business leader who has so many complications to consider around their own personal reputation, their their own um, ability to, to lead a group of people, for them to continue to have respect for them um, and for, for their clients to continue to want to work with them. Who, who wants to have a supplier who is a little bit broken? So often it all of this pressure is kept inwardly focused and that isn't sustainable for, no. for any of us as human Can't beings. Be. It's got to be an outlet for it. So Definitely. I felt that putting the conversation on the table was really critical and organisations like Mind, Paul Farmer, who's the chief exec of Mind, thinks this is a fantastic initiative, is really behind it. Um, and I think there's just room to grow yeah. and grow and grow this. Definitely. And yet you're right. It's that as a business owner, leader, sometimes you feel you can't share. It's a very lonely place adults, sometimes. It's a really lonely place and the support. And, 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 the, and, the, and the temptation is, especially when you're focused on your reputation, you just like, I just need to keep this to myself and get in in the morning and put my game face on. Yeah. Lock it away, yeah. game face on. And, and, and if they've not slept all night because they've yeah. been up fretting over something, you know, what, what quality of leadership is it really going to have? Yeah. So it's a big subject. Definitely. And is there any, I know you, you've spoke, spoken very openly on different forums about, you know, that it's a, an issue that you've also been aware of yourself. So have you got any strategies that you follow that improves and you know, approaches mm-hmm. you take? That you think improves your own mental I think, health? I think giving yourself time and space to work out your own personal strategy for any business leader, for anyone, mm. let alone if they're a business leader, is really important. What might work for me might not work no. for you. I know that my appreciation of nature, and there are some staple things that we all know. Yeah. Um, I'm watching the trees blowing uh, in the reflection yes. there of, of behind us in, in, the, in the office here. And, 
um, being around nature, being um, around woodland, mm. the beach, the natural environment, I need that like drugs. Yeah. If I don't get that built into my hopefully day, but definitely week, I'm not ship shape. Okay. Um, I practice meditation as much as I can. Yeah. Um, and I have done that for a very long time, but I think like all of these things, you have phases where you just fall off the wagon a bit yeah. um, and something needs to remind you that actually it's very, very effective. It's very powerful. And a friend um, last year, actually, an, a, a long-standing friend of mine sat me down and said, you need to start focusing on this. And she became my accountability partner and was checking in with me every morning to say, 10 minutes, have you fitted in? You've got to do it. And it does work. It really does work. And the apps are there very successfully for all those reasons. They're simple, easy to buy into, and you're being spoon-fed what you need each day. Um, But walking, being active, I mean, we all know this stuff but just building in the amount that you know it's, you need it's to... It's having that, and I think, it's the, I think mm-hmm. the thing I've learned in my own journey, and if I look at times when things are going well and there's mm-hmm. balance, mm-hmm. whereas times when I may be a bit fraught mm-hmm. and a bit manic yeah. and you know not making probably some of the best decisions I've yeah. ever made, the times when it's good, there's yeah. lots of self-care going on. There's yes. exercise, there's getting yes. out, there's getting away yes. from the desk, there's doing some breath work totally. or meditation. Yeah. But you can, I can, when you, in hindsight, it's wonderful, mm-hmm. isn't it? But I can nearly align mm. great self-care yes. with when the business has gone well because yep. I've been in the right place in the right frame of mind. Absolutely. And in a strong position compared to when it all gets a bit frantic and you leave that self-care behind then because that's the first thing you do. You go, I need some time. Exactly. Well, that and then... It all starts to go down again. Can, yeah. I know. I've, I remember once having a conversation um, of my end-of-year accounts and being asked the question, how on earth have you done this? And I said, well, it, yeah, it's a great year. I, I don't quite know. And I reflected back and I'd spent, as you were saying, I'd spent that year really focused on my wellness. Mm-hmm. I was practicing gratitude every day in different formats. Mm-hmm. I really, really was disciplining myself to just appreciating the nuts and bolts of what was good yeah. about my world. And it literally transformed into numbers, which is incredible because I'm not a numbers driven person. No. Um, I just roll with things and yeah. hope hope they come out all right at the other end. It's kind of worked so far. Yeah, inevitably. They yeah. <laughs> but but that is an absolute, I, I had evidence. That's that self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Getting your head into a different zone, giving your brain is such an incredible organ. Yeah. We expect so much of it. It never stops. It fires all day, yeah. all night. It's going, going, going. And to just give it a bit of bandwidth, yeah. a little bit every day, you will just reap the yeah. rewards. It's me- mind fitness, I've heard it described mm. as. And that's what it's about, isn't it? You get in this Absolutely. term mental health has its, all, its own connotations, isn't yeah. it? But it's, it's about mind fitness, mind yeah. health, and yeah. you know, treating it as yeah. a muscle. And a, exactly. And giving it, some some treats you know taking it into woodland trees give off trees give off hormones they physically give off hormones that make you feel better so by sticking yourself in a woodland with a load of trees 
and give one a hug every now and again. I'm standing, I'm get, my inner hippie. I do have seen my, a picture in researching for this podcast of you <laughs> hugging a tree, Liz, so it's something you clearly do do. My, my inner hippie is coming out here. The Cornish girl will out eventually. <laughs> She'll come out eventually. Brilliant. Um, so as we start to just round off the kind of podcast, is, is there anybody out there, obviously you're in a comms PR world, you get to assess a lot of business leaders, personalities, sports personalities, the whole raft thing, social influence is what it may be. But is there anybody out there that you particularly admire for their comms skills? I would say all my clients, wouldn't I? <laughs> and actually, I do have clients who I'm just so proud of and so proud to be associated with because I think they deliver themselves beautifully. But I'm not here to plug everyone else today. That's a really difficult one. And, I, and you were talking about the Olympics earlier. And what I loved this week was that 13-year-old mm. skateboarder. Yeah, she's um, amazing. What, what a little star. And I know that she's had a heck of a background already yeah. um, and a, a, a real um, champion in surfing and skateboarding. But what I loved about her ability, and I think we could all learn from it, is that she, her authenticity was just amazing. Yes, obviously, she's had the media yeah. training, but it, because of her age, it was very raw. Mm. And I thought it was charming. And actually, I think a lot of our Olympiads now, when I've watched their, um, th- their responses, they've been really measured. I don't think they've sounded too over-engineered at no. all. Um, but I think brands like Innocent have really stuck true to the way they communicate. Um, I'm talking brands now rather than individuals. Yeah, it's, it's a good reflection, isn't it? Because even after they're taken over by Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. the big boys, yeah. they've managed to keep that that endearing quality mm. about them. And I think the Black Lives Matter yeah. um, scenario played out with them being very open and honest, saying, hands up we haven't really looked at this the way we should have done and we're now going to address it and I know other brands did that as well so those leaders behind those organizations I respect them greatly for doing the right thing and there is a confidence in being open and transparent and there's a time and a place to put your hands up and say we've done something wrong and 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 in the main society supports that brilliant Okay, and then one final question for you is the uh, Evolve to Succeed podcast. So what's your own personal definition of success, Liz? Oh, my goodness. Happiness. But what does happiness constitute? It's, mm. it's different for others. Being able to live comfortably, not looking over your shoulder financially, I think, yeah. for me. Um, you know, having a, an upbringing that at times felt very vulnerable Mm. in that environment. Losing my father very young made me feel very vulnerable and it was kind of my way or the highway. I have to make my life work. No one else is going to do it for me. It was a great driver. And to be able to have said, right, I've done that, I've ticked that box. Um, Being able to bring a child into the world who is now loving and thriving Mm on the opportunity that I've created yeah. feels a huge measure of success. Absolutely. Um, being able to connect with like-minded people on such the volume that I've had the privilege to, to work with and meet some amazingly talented people, I feel that that's a measure of success. So I think there's lots of different measures, isn't yeah, there? Definitely. There isn't one single no. thing. No, but there's still loads to do. Yeah. I'm feeling very ambitious at the moment. I feel like I want to do something 
big and my friends say to me you've got enough on your plate (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know I've I've got the bit between my teeth there's all sorts of ideas that come to me and you know when I had to self-isolate with my son recently and um, I I either completely went a bit bonkers or I became inspired I don't know which (laughs) end of the spectrum it went but yeah Layla was like oh what is this now (laughs) mom (laughs) she puts me back in my box brilliant if people want to learn more about you Liz more about Lizleen PR where can they go uh, go to www.lizleenpr.co.uk but equally find me on LinkedIn drop me a direct message I always love to hear from everyone so uh, yeah get in touch it'd be great to have a conversation brilliant you've been a wonderful guest on the Evolved Success thank Podcast thank you it's thank been you. great fun good What a remarkable story that Liz's daughter Layla was born just when Liz was starting her agency and has now become an integral part of that same business. Having one of your children there to learn from you and add their own knowledge and advice to the business, to watch them evolve and develop and be there to possibly take over the reins when you decide to leave must be a wonderful and enviable position to be in. I felt that Liz's passion and incredible depth and knowledge around PR and communications is incredibly valuable and I hope you took heed of her insights. Because as business owners, I think we sometimes take good communications and PR for granted, or perhaps even see it as something to do on the side of the business, almost as an afterthought, instead of it being integral to the company's values and success. Done well, PR and communications is an art form, as I'm sure some of you listening to this podcast can attest to, it can work miracles. Thank you for listening. And if you do want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter, as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve, including our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, courses for teams, as well as our lovely co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul. And if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire, then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solent LEP, we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you. So if you want to learn more, again, go to the website or please call the team. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode and if so, please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing and listening to future episodes. Thank you for listening.